Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, listeners, Kevin and I need your help. Yes, we need your help. Please, please, please. We need your stars. We need your reviews, you guys, on iTunes so we can start to climb those iTunes rating charts. It's simple. Open iTunes, click on the iTunes store, search for Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Then click on Ratings and Reviews. Under the Customer Reviews, click Write a Review. Then let us know what you think from one to five stars. If you need some help, Help, think of one star being Carol Channing and Paul Lynn in the road company of the last five years, and five stars being free front row tickets to Hamilton. <laughs> Although, when you think about it, I actually would give five stars to the road company of Carol Channing and Paul Lynn in the last five years, because I think that would be uh, awesome. I would love to hear, can I hear moving too fast as Paul? <laughs> <laughs> that's, the really, that's the one I really want. She's the chick's the goddess. <laughs> Through Erica Schwartz and Danica Weiss. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And, and I'm, I'm Kevin Thomas. And this is behind the curtain. So there the you go. You can Broadway's also leave a comment legends. if you like. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Broadway Curtain. And make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. And follow us on Instagram at Broadway Curtain Podcast. Plus, you can always listen to our podcasts on Broadway World and Stitcher. 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 Not hardly con- know her. Oh my God! Thank you for that vaudeville joke, Kevin. I thought it was going to be a Lane Stritch joke. I'm so happy. Now, I am very excited today because I don't think you will meet an actor who has as much enthusiasm for their job as today's guest. Always smiling. Always happy. Always optimistic. He is the epitome of someone who loves being in the theater. And, oh, he has been in the theater many times with so many shows. So many shows. How about Tobias in the first Sweeney Todd revival? Mr. Snow to Audrey McDonald's Mrs. Snow in Carousel. The best man George in The Drowsy Chaperone and The Adorable Scuttle. And the Little Mermaid. And that is just the tip of the iceberg to tell us what it was like to star in the original production of Assassins, how he survived Susicle, and what it was like to work with such legends as Elaine May, Stephen Sondheim, and Twyla Tharp. Here is the nicest guy on Broadway, Eddie Corbich. Oh my gosh, that's really, really nice. <laughs> I do get upset sometimes. Oh, I do really get upset sometimes Uh-oh. when things, um, when people waste time. I get upset in so, rehearsals and things like that. But I'm not going to like mention that. I will say, though, <laughs> that I do have a lot of rituals that I do because as actors, we, we have rituals that we do every, every, every single day. And whether it be my um, superstition, just quality or something else, like, you know, like, like soccer players have like the same socks or baseball players. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I have things that I do in the dressing room certain times each day that a lot of my castmates make fun of me for um, like <laughs> what? what you're going to ask I don't know everything well it changes every show like a certain amount of certain types of food I eat at exactly the exact moment and that came from the fact that I am hypoglycemic and I do have blood sugar dips so oh. when I find oh. something to eat that has the the right amount of you know energy to, to get me through a show right. then I have to eat it at a certain amount of time or I can tell you and it's trial and error I, w- I can tell you that the moment in the biggest tap number in the show the moment I need it the most I will have a blood sugar dip and it will be wow. like and a lot of people say it's all in your head and as I've gone on it's gotten less so 
Really? So not the opposite. I would have expected it to like have gotten worse. Well, it got worse in Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid was <laughs> the lowest point of my entire professional career as far as performing on stage for me. And I don't, uh, that is not a reflection on yeah, yeah, the no. show or anything that is a reflection on where I was in my career. Call it a midlife crisis or what do you want? But I was uh, at a point, uh, the kids are going to be like, oh my God. Uh, call it <laughs> no, whatever true. you want, but I actually had to take a half a Xanax at some point during the show to just get on the stage. Wow. There was panic attacks happening, and then and then it could have just stopped there after one or two times, because ultimately, what causes that? Boy, are we just going off here? No, I like it. What ultimately causes that is too being too comfortable with the role yeah. and not yeah. losing concentration. When when I hear about people in shows for twelve years, Ken Waller and Phantom, who 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 had said I left the business to join Phantom, because he's just you know you're in it for thirteen. Yeah. Years. That woman in Cats who never missed a single performance, never took a vacation, but then had the best pension you ever had. Oh my absolutely. Um, fourteen years. That was the original Cats, not the one now. Right. For me, it's the year and three month point. A year and three months, one performance. I will suddenly realize I liken it to driving a car and going 30 miles and and after you're driving 30 miles on a trip you suddenly realize that you don't remember any of the last 30 miles however you are obviously very safe and right. nothing happened to yeah. you um when you're jerked out of reality in a live performance and suddenly realize that you've absolutely no idea how you got to this point on the stage and in the plot, but you obviously were opening your mouth and oh the words God. are coming out. It's so true. Because it's autopilot. And for some people, it's fine. I'm an autopilot. What's That's your tra- great. Your training takes over and all your instincts. But for Eddie Corbett, <laughs> I'm speaking in the third person, I love it, it freaks me out because I, I, that's why I could never take, like, like, drugs except for the xanax drugs or alcohol before a show because i have to feel that i'm in complete control that i can do it because the worst thing is to like go up for me i just hate going up and then you worry about going up and then and then because you worry about it you go up have you had any like epic like blowout moments though of going up (laughs) no one no one nothing that anybody would know right watching it but in my in my brain and my body, Sherry Renee Scott said at one point when she needed to do something for herself, um, and somebody else came and, and said, "You seem fine. You're wonderful. You're great." She said, "You're not in my head," mm-hmm. and that's so true. Mm-hmm. You're not in my head. You're not in my body. You're not going through the craziness that we tell ourselves to go through. I remember standing on the stage and looking at the lights as Scuttle, and and looking and going. <laughs> This is the oddest thing in the world. I'm there's lights shining on me, and I'm here in feathers and wings and a beak, and there's people watching me who I can't really see because it's dark out there. It was just the way, but this is all going through your head while you're saying, "Ariel, come on, get up!" And and at the same time, and you're anyway. That's that. <laughs> who did you, you play in the little night music? I was Henrik. Yes, you were. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing for students to know. Uh-huh. You really make your own luck. You absolutely positively make your own luck. Um, Yes, I've been really lucky. And when I look back on it, the temptation is to say I was just in the right place at the right time. But you know what? You weren't. 
you were, you were, you, I, w- I just saw Hamilton. I am not throwing away my shot. You have to have the awareness to realize that this is the right place at the right time. And you have to have everything behind you prepared for that. And I, for some whatever freaking reason, was, uh, was, I started piano in kindergarten, clarinet in fourth grade. And then because I was doing those two instruments, the, the, the orchestra teacher said, would you like to play the cello? And I'm like, no, would you like to play the violin? And I'm like, the violin, oh, I want to play the violin. And then everything became so cool with hillbilly fiddles and all that kind of stuff and dance macabre. And I'm like, I love to play the violin. And I walked in and I'm like, okay, I can take on another instrument. Let's do the violin. And he said, you know what? We got too many violin players. What we really need are cellos. So you don't play cello? And I'm like, I don't want to play. Well, I started playing the cello and I kept it up. And then I got to New York, and I was auditioning and auditioning and auditioning. And let me tell you guys, audition for everything. Everything. Even if you are not right, audition for everything. They were doing a little night music at Bergen Community College. This is where I mean you make your own luck. And my roommate at the time said, you play the cello, don't you? I'm like, yeah, they're doing it at Bergen Community College. You should, you should do this. You should really go in on it. Let's mm-hmm. both go in. It's a horrible situation. She didn't get cast, and I did. Classic. But from there, I said, Equity Library Theater is doing a little night music. I haven't played the cello all through college. I haven't played the cello for about four or five years. If I nail this and get it really good by the time I audition for the New York thing, I will be already ahead. And that's what I did. And I worked on it and I got it. So but by the time I walked into that audition with the cello, Susan Schulman, who directed that, said, Eddie, when you came in with the cello, it was all over. And then we and then we were listening and then and then we looked at each other and said, Well, he won't be able to sing. And then you sang. And then we said, Well, he won't be able to act. And then you acted. And that was it. Because I did that. A couple years later, when Susan was directing Sweeney Todd, she thought of me. And then I got, I got the revival of Sweeney Todd. And Sweeney Todd opened every single door in this city for me. Every door. It opened, it opened every door. And that was pretty great. Oh, yeah. But anyway, that was Equity Library Theater, to go back. That was what that was like. Where was it located? 103... 103rd Street, something, 103rd Street in the river, we always used to say, because all the oh, way right. over west. And west. was it like run by equity, or was it just equity was in the name of it? You know, because Equity Library Theater well, I don't know implies if it was that run it was by like, equity, but it certainly was sanctioned by equity. It was. Um, equity Library Theater, meaning equity actors, right. were in it. It was not a non-equity house. Um, it, was, it, was in the, it was in the first and basement floor of this, like, apartment building. Crazy. <laughs> it's so wild. Nothing like that. I wish today. we, yeah, no. I, wish I, we had something I like think that. of like musicals tonight a little bit. They kind of do that, oh, okay. you know yeah. what I mean? They they do older shows, but it's different than. It sounds like they, you know, getting the casting directors and agents and yeah. stuff like that. That seemed like a great place for new actors to go to. We, I don't think we have tonight isn't necessarily all equity. Exactly, yeah. they can hire both. Yeah. So you grew up in Shamoykin? Pennsylvania? Is that? Did I say that? Right? I, I sounds good. No, no, that's wrong. What yeah. is it saying? <laughs> I don't know. Say it. Shemokin. Shemokin. Like you're shemokin. It's Rob. either. It's either. It's either whatever Indian tribe. It's either Chief Shamokin or spelled backward Nicomas. 
Seriously, that's what we were taught. But that's I don't really know. How so, to, oh, go ahead. No, sorry. I was just it's a coal say, mining town. So, right. So you're in the middle of Pennsylvania, essentially. Don't um, ask me. I don't know. Right? And so you became, an, you became a performing artist. When you went to you went to you got your BFA at Boston uh, Conservatory. Conservatory, and did you did you know you wanted to go to a musical theater school? Did you know? Okay, okay, you know, crazy things happen for different reasons. I was in the band. I was drum major of the band, and we were going to the some festival, uh-huh. Apple Blossom or something, <laughs> from Shamokin, Pennsylvania, on course, a bus. Of course, there was to. New Hampshire. We're going to some festival in New Hampshire. And on the way, we stopped at Faneuil Hall in Boston. And as we were driving along Boylston Street, which I come to know as Boylston Street, in Boston, I looked over and saw this incredibly beautiful swath of greenery that went on and on, which I then realized was the Boston Garden and the Boston Common. Not the Boston Garden, but the Boston Common. And all the students, college students, out there studying with their textbooks. And I thought... This is what I want. This is what I want. I want to study on the grass like this. I don't want a classroom. You gotta, you gotta understand. I was in a coal mining town. Right. Yeah. Dirty. Yeah. Cement. Uh, and I said, "That's it. I'm going to Boston. I want to go to Boston." Now let's see if there's a. And I found that there was a musical theater program there. <sighs> but before I realized I wanted to go for musical theater, which was your question. I didn't care. I wanted to be in movies and television because that's all I had. Oh. I wanted television and movies, 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 movies. But then my oh. junior year, I beat out the seniors and was Harold Hill in The Music Man, which for a high almost alto tenor is very <laughs> challenging, <laughs> especially when you have to go down at that point to yes. the C-76 trombones led the big parade, which yeah. like, it's that kind of <laughs> make a decision as an actor. What you want to focus on, and you focus, for me anyway, not, I say, then you make a decision like everybody does this. I decide, had to decide <clears throat> after college, which cemented it for me in college at some point, what you're going to do. Oh, and by the way, I chose Boston for another reason. I knew that if I went straight to New York from Shamokin, Pennsylvania, I would die. And I don't mean physically die. I would get eaten alive. I, I had no idea what to do in a city this size. Right. But Boston is also a city much more manageable and much smaller. It was a great transition mm-hmm. city for me and safe. Yeah. Safe in Boston, being bad, <laughs> just being bad actor, learning things before I came to New York. Yeah. <clears throat> when, you, when you came to New York and you started pounding the pavement, we always ask this yep. of all of our guests – do you remember what your standard audition song was? Thou swell. Thou swell. Thou sweetie. Thou sweet. Thou oh grand. We were always told to do something that was going to. I still sing it. That's I am- got five shows from that. That's amazing. Assassins being one of them. What? And I walked in, and Jerry said, after I sing, he goes, "Well, that's just you know, that's a, that's a real big old razzmatazz." But uh, this character is uh, doubled over in pain. And angry, and very, very, very angry. So, can you do that song again? I'm not going to ask you to do another song. Can you do that song again with that? <laughs> Just like so angry. Oh my God. That's it amazing. It worked. It was really right. Anyway, yes, thou swell, because we were told you only have a certain amount of things to do. Please do something that's going to show off both. So, 
I would start off legitimately doing the very end of the verse, which is, you are so graceful, have you wings? But I wouldn't sing it like that. I'd sing it like, you are so graceful, have you wings? And then, your face one day, you have no speaking voice, dear, with every word it sings. Thou swell, thou witty, thou sweet, and then just belted it mm. out. And it, it got me five shows. Wow. But the very, 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 very first song I sang when I came to New York, which I, which, how I got my equity card at the Muni in 1984, and Danny Burstein and I were, got our equity cards that summer what? together in Funny Girl at the Muni. He might have he been in the show before that. But yeah. That was your first equity show? I yeah. Mean, Funny Girl? At the well, Muni. Nice. <laughs> How about starting your professional career at a 10,000 seat outdoor I house? mean, the, starting at the Muni is insane. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Sorry, I sang yes. Not a Day Goes By oh. in mm. my key. Oh. And I remember Sharon Halley, Sharon Haley, the choreographer, who when I. Not a day goes by, not a day goes by, not a day goes. And I don't know what it was. I was so nervous. But for some reason, everybody was together. My breathing was great, everything. I just, it, I just floated the note. Not a day goes by. And she closed her eyes and opened it up. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going I'm to get, get the job. I'm going to get it. And I had auditioned <laughs> the previous year totally. and didn't get it. Mm. And they remembered me. Oh, anyway, so that was the feeling. very first song. I brought that with me to New York, and I think my up-tempo was Luck Be a Lady. But of course, e- no. you learn different things, yeah. and other things work better for you. What was the first Broadway show you were cast in? It's not on, and I don't know why I it's know. not on it. It isn't. Yeah, it's not on your we were surprised. And I really got to figure out what's going on. And I called them, and they're like, well, we can't verify that. It's just your word. And I'm like, well, yeah, like, you know, I was there. So, so. Jennifer Smith, <laughs> darling Jennifer Smith, said, totally. said, yeah, and you have you, you have your playbill, you have your playbill, and I'm like, no, I don't. And she's like, what about your first contract? <gasps> I have all my contracts, so I'll take that in it. So yeah, and get it on. It was um, it was singing in the rain, singing in the singing rain, in the rain with Twyla Tharp, right? Yes, so. indeed. So t- <laughs> tell us a little bit about your first Broadway show. What was the experience like? Are you going to ask me about Twyla Tharp? Because I'll be disappointing you to the nth degree. Let me ask there you There was about subtext Tharp. there. That's true. <laughs> I wish you could see Eddie's face because it's, <laughs> it's sending 90 mes- messages to me, which I all love. So, so t- it was at the Gershwin Theater. And oh, all wow. of us were just... I was doing Elmsford Dinner Theater, which is now called Westchester Broadway Theater. I was doing... On your... I was doing... George M. Oh, wow. I was in the chorus of George M. And I got, and I saw that they were doing that, uh, uh, Singing in the Rain. And it was at the eight-month period, the nine-month period, uh, they were casting for swings. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that meant. (laughs) So I went in, and all of us, there were just tons of guys just standing in that upper lobby, those of you who know the Gershwin Theater, outside in that upper lobby. Actually, years later when I went to do Wicked, and I, would, and I was a swing again, I would go up there and read and, and look around and say, this, this is exactly yeah. where I was, where it all started. I was wearing dance pants, my dance shoes. I was wearing a Penn State baseball shirt. And I walked in. And we got combina- They just started giving us combinations on the stage of the of the. Yep, Gershwin they call Theater. us you in, in groups of stage. twenty or groups of thirty. Get down to it, down to it, down to it, down to it. Called back, called back. Went on for like three hours. 
Then we sang, and then they called a certain amount of us back. And they said, hey, Penn State, come here. Penn State, come here. And I went, and, and they took me out into the upper room, and they said, you're, you're coming back tomorrow, right? And I said, yes. They said, wear the same shirt. Twyla knows you by Penn State. <laughs> wow. And, and I looked at it, and she was, you know, she was like slunched down with her hand up, just looking at herself. If she had glasses, she would have been looking over glasses, but she didn't, wasn't wearing glasses. But it was like, it was like totally. that. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. Exactly what I mean. Shelly Washington, oh I will never forget that magnificently beautiful woman who smiled at me in my nervousness, knew I was fresh off the boat, you mm. know what I mean, off the yeah. bus. And, um, and I came back the next day, and I walked in, and they're like, oh, Penn State, we're glad you're here. Penn State. <laughs> And and I at one point and and then I was just about to like do that thing where you you kind of cross a line but yes maybe you and go you know I do have a name yeah. but I didn't because yeah. before I got a chance Shelly Washington the the dance captain turned around and said honey what's your name and I'm like Eddie oh. and she's like Eddie okay I kinda, I'm gonna be calling you Penn State I'm like no yeah. problem yeah and we did it and and I danced again. And then they were still seeing like it was all it was going on for another half hour to forty five minutes, and they had other groups to come on stage for the same part and the 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 stage manager came out and took me up and said, um, "I know we're seeing other people, but you're, you're going you're going to get this, so what are you doing now and i said i I'm doing this he said, okay, don't give your notice yet because everything has to be approved with the producers but Please expect a phone call in the next couple of days. Wow. So you know you're doing. You're, you're like, ah. and that was that was how I got the part. Now here's what the part was. I was going in not to be a swing. I was going in to replace Gene Sager, who was on a, a five week cruise with his wife, performing on oh. the boat, not just an extra uh, a vacation. Yeah. He was performing on the boat with his wife, and they were doing an act. I was replacing him for five weeks, and then I would become the general swing for all the ensemble men. And the swing, friends, uh, the swing is the term for the actor who is on stage, usually off stage, who is in, has to not only learn all of the dance roles of the parts he's or she is understudying, but all the vocal lines and all of the, we call it a track nowadays because there's so many different things that they're doing. And I doing, hate calling it, it a track because it's, like, not, it's more than that. Uh, you it, can't call it a track unless you're in Starlight Express. Because right. I am not, <laughs> yeah. I, so I call it a part of a role. But, but it makes so much, of course, of course I call it a track. I'm just no, joking. But I know what you mean. But yeah, but yeah so, but it's a, it's a major job, especially for it being your first job. I mean, that's... It, uh, you don't think about that when you're a kid. Of course not. Of course not. Every, well, that's, every time someone's a swing for oh the first time, God. they're always like, oh, I, I was still at the point where I will pay you to be on Broadway. <laughs> but, you know, my dad was still alive and he came to see, oh. oh my God, it was just magnificent. So you went on then, obviously, I mean, like... The, Not only did I go on, they called me Tuesday night, In when I was in rehearsal, they called me the Tuesday night and said... You want to go on Broadway tonight? You want to be on Broadway? Oh and I'm God. like, no, I'm not ready. It's like, no, 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 no. There's a point in the first act where there's a trolley on stage, and you can be one of the people riding the trolley. I said, what am I going to wear? Because at that point, I'm like, you know, I'll bring stuff from my closet. Right. They're like, no, <laughs> you know, we don't care what you wear from <laughs> your waist down. Wear your pants. Wear your sneakers. We'll get you a tuxedo top and a tuxedo Amazing. jacket. And... And I cannot describe to you what it was like. Yes, I can. I've done it before. 
was in that trolley. We were in the wing of the Gershwin, and it was dark. And the trolley started to move. And you could hear the song Beautiful Girl. Beautiful girl, yeah, ba da 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 It was set in the music that the first appearance of the trolley would coincide with, after the verse, a huge brass rendition of ba da 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 And as I remember it, the trolley started moving, and we got closer and closer to this, but it was dark. It was like somebody smacked me in the head with a cymbal. The lights smashed into brightness. At the same time, the brass hit my ears with an enormously loud, when I went, if you can imagine brilliant lights just flooding you at that moment. It, that was my first experience <laughs> on Broadway. Oh, and, wow. then, and then, according to everybody else on the trolley, I had this sm- rictus smile <laughs> plastered on my face that I could not, I could not <laughs> of stop. Of course you did. And I, tr- and I do remember trying to stop <laughs> my mouth and the muscles just <laughs> holding it. And I came off, and I do remember saying this, but stagehands, these hardened stagehands, smiling and laughing. Because I kept saying to everyone, I was on Broadway. I was on Broadway. I've just been on Broadway. And weeks later, the, the, the dresser who had put me into, the, the costume woman who had put me into the costume said, you, you reminded all of us mm. why we got into the business. Oh. Yeah. So that was really great. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about Assassins? Yeah. yeah. Which is such a fascinating <laughs> Show you were part of the original company. Would you say who also was in that original company with you? I will. Um, it was Victor Garber, Jonathan Hadari, Annie Golden, Deborah Monk, Greg German, um, Terrence Mann, right? Terry Mann, uh, Jace Alexander, Lee Wilkoff. Oh yeah, many others. And John Jellison, Lenny Green, Joy Franz, Marcus. Joy Franz. Marcus. Not Marcus Lovett, not Marcus Neville, Marcus Olson. Wow. It's a group. Who am I missing? You do. Shit. Who William Perry? Was William Bill Perry? Bill Perry. Oh, yeah. Yes. Come on, I can't the president. <laughs> you, you played which assassin? One of the lesser known assassins. Yes. Giuseppe Zangara. Zangara. Which, when I talked to a, um, an Italian, said, well, we, we pronounce it the Zangara. Oh, an emphasis on the first. Zangara. Interesting. <clears throat> like the, the word for gypsy in Italian is zingara. Uh-huh. And it's the same thing. Zangara. Interesting. Oh, interesting. But we all pronounce it zangara. So, zangara. <laughs> zangara. <laughs> this is a very controversial show. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like performing that show and, and how audiences were reacting to it at the time? Was it Playwrights, right? Was it Playwrights yeah. Horizons mm-hmm. in 90 or 91? 91. 90. The Gulf 90. War had just broken out. Okay, yeah. so you're performing... I remember standing next to Greg German in the curtain call. No, Jace Alexander in the curtain call, and us bowing. And as we went down to bow, we saw this little little older couple, man and woman, in the front row. She was clapping, and she looked at him, and she nudged him, and he said out loud, I can't clap for that. I can't clap for that. I won't clap for that. I won't clap for that. 
And then, of course, at, at that point, Jason and I came up from our bow, and we just started laughing, oh, looking God. at each other and smiling and nodding and just shaking our head and laughing. That was part I, of it. That was much part of it. Part of it. I had a, a dear, 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 dear friend who, I, friends who I call Aunt Jan and Uncle Bob, who are not my biological aunt and uncle, but those kind of people. Yeah. And Jan said, oh, my gosh, I, I so enjoyed it, and I'd forgotten. And I was like, forgotten what? I'd forgotten it. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, you were all doing it. I was all wrapped up in the show. And then all of a sudden, the Texas School Book Depository turned around. And I said to myself, oh, no. Oh, God, no, please. I can't, I can't sit through this again. I can't sit through this again. Because she was of an age where she remembered yeah. those four days in oh, 1963. Yeah. I was in my crib. I was asleep taking a nap. I don't remember. Wow. Anyway, that was kind of like what it was like performing. And speaking of revivals. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Let's get to Carousel. Yeah. Tell us. Well. Would you tell your audition story? Carousel audition story. All right. So I go in. I was. So they were not seeing musical theater people. Oh. They were only seeing for Julia, Carousel. They were they were only seeing <laughs> Juilliard. Only, only Kabuki seeing actors performers. in uh-huh. Juilliard. Nick Heitner, British director. Yep. Um, Audra got seen because she was from Juilliard. Michael Hayden, oh, Juilliard right. actor. Yeah. Uh, Kate Buttecky from Chicago. Robert mm-hmm. Bruller from Chicago. Actor, actor, actors. Not seeing us. And Ted Chapin, the head of Rodgers and Hammerstein, was sitting there. And you know he's one of my champions, and I. Mm-hmm. I him. He's a good guy. Oh my God! He's here's a guy who knows so much and who has been in the business, and for some wonderful reason that I can only think comes from the generosity of his soul, has not become bitter or jaded in any way. Yeah, totally. He is a magnificent human being, and I, I just have the warmest spot in my heart for him. Anyway, he told me that they were sitting there, and um, they could not find. They could not find a Mr. Snow. They just couldn't find him. And I wish I could, I wish I, I wish you could see me because I'm going to do something, but I'll try to describe it. Evidently, Nick put his hands up in front of him in that triangular pose and put his, his chin on his hands mm-hmm. like that and said very quietly, maybe Mr. Snow is only big and blustery in Carrie's eyes. And at that moment, Ted said, he turned to him and said, have you thought about seeing Eddie Corbich? Because he knew I could sing it, right? but I wasn't big and blustery. Sure. I'm, I'm a little smaller. Yeah. And he's like, fine, we'll see him, fine. So I came in. Now, here's another thing. I had done Mr. Snow and Carousel at Forestburg Playhouse, and guys, I sucked. I was... <laughs> Bad. No, I was really, really bad. I was really bad. I insisted on wearing a Greek fisherman's cap that I found <laughs> and a mustache. 
And they're like, can we not have a Greek fisherman's cap on him? He's a rich guy. He should have a bowler. I'm like, no, no, I'm a fisherman. This should be it. And now why did I choose that? Because little gay boy that I was, but didn't realize I was gay, I was attracted to a picture in this big music book called The Rogers and Ham- the Songs of Rogers and Hammerstein, which is a Reader's Digest collection, which had all the songs and these big color plates from each of the show. And this one big color plate was this hot guy, Mr. Snow, wearing a Greek fisherman's cap with Carrie Pippridge on his lap. And I thought, he's hot. But I didn't say that at the time. I didn't know that. But I, in my head, I'm like... Yeah, that's, that's what it. it looked like. So I got to wear this. Anyway, it just went downhill from there. So as bad as that decision was, I sang it fine, but like I was just all over the place. Didn't know anything about him. Whatever, it was bad. <laughs> that's all I had to go on. So I come in and I audition and I sing the song, and there was a pause. And I think if I had gone in originally, I would have just been dismissed. But because they had been through everybody. I was given a little bit more time. And Nick, I guess, God bless him, maybe thought some, saw something. And he paused and he said, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be blunt. It was, it was bad. It was bad American musical theater acting. It was, it was bad. It was just, I mean, the voice was there and you sang it, but it was bad. I took a breath and I, I thought it was going to be like, well, I'm really sorry, I'm going to go now, Goodbye. I was Tobias and Sweeney Todd. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, now let's do it again. I want you to think of him as the the town's capitalist, just immensely capitalist, going for the money, going for this, just do it. I went, okay. Reboot, do it. And I guess he saw something in me. I guess he saw something because the next thing I heard was they were picking out kids to to match Audra and is 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 a phrase I used during that that I also used to Jerry Zacks on Assassins. I I looked I, I finished the, the the audition as I made this adjustment to the note you gave me. I don't think I was as successful as I could have been with what you just told me. And I want you to be aware that I know that I didn't give you exactly what you wanted yet. I didn't use the word yet. And I, that was, thank you so much for telling me that. Mm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. Try it again. Mm-hmm. And I did. It's like, okay. Wow. So that's that. The, the, the showing them that you can take direction. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're there. So I get Carousel. And we're there, and I meet Shirley Verrett, and Audra and I are together, and everybody's, we're doing it. And along about the second week, I'm feeling, I'm not pleasing him. I'm going into old habits, and I am not pleasing him, and I will ask a question, and he will answer the question, this is Nick, but he will answer it in a... Dismissive is the wrong word, not as not looking in my eyes to answer the question, answering it with, uh, yeah, 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 offhand, just answering it, okay, okay, to where the point where you feel, okay, well, I'm not pleasing him and he's not considering me one of the actors. He doesn't have really time for me. And 
the next thing I knew, we were we were going to stage the end of Act One, which is everybody going to the clam bake. And Nick said, "All right, everybody." I don't know if we were back from lunch. I don't know where it was, but it was the beginning of obviously the beginning of something in the day. And he said, "Now you'll notice there's all these props over here. There's there's baskets and there's oars and there's ropes and there's." Lobster creels and things like that over there. That was a little Jefferson Mays. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and and just go pick something out. So people are going over and you know just grabbing stuff. And I, I walked over, and I saw this little wicker basket. And I, this is what I told you, right? Yeah. And I picked it up, and it was like a light bulb in the head. And I ran up to Nick because I, Eddie Corbett, am allergic to certain things, peanuts, cashews, things like that. And I looked at him, and I went, Nick, Nick! And he was like, yes? And not annoyed, but like, what? Yes. And I said, I'm bringing this. I'm bringing this because I can't eat the food that is going to be at the clam bake. I have my own food that I have to bring along because because of of the way I can eat. This This is what I have to bring. I have to bring this food. And his face relaxed, and he got a twinkle in his eye. He grabbed the basket from me and said, Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Snow's private hamper because his certain dietary restrictions does not allow him to be part of the community and eat the food the rest of you are eating. Yes, yes, Eddie, well done. <laughs> and from that moment on, it, it took off, and I had Mr. Snow. It was still an incredibly hard part for me to get into, as opposed to Tobias, which I fell out of bed doing. Um, but it was it was from that moment on he treated me differently, and and I grew f- from there. So that was it. Well, I, jumping ahead, uh, well, I, I, my first question actually, I want to ask you about your experience with Sondheim. If there's any fun stories there, but if oh, you ever put your foot in your mouth with there. that one, but I can all the time you, you did your um, you did he Sweeney operates- Todd. I mean, and he was a part because he's always a part. He, yeah, he's around when you do a show in New York. That, that, Kevin was, was in uh, the revival of Little Night Music, but and oh, so I have yeah. a limited cool. experience. Which but one? Just, the one with Kevin Zeta Jones? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Were you you weren't Henrik? No, that I understudied Henrik. I, I only did a, yeah, Herlick, I only yeah. did it like four times, but I was in the uh, quintet. But uh, I'm oh. curious about what you any experience well, your experience with Sondheim. I mean, well, the first with uh, the first Sweeney Todd revival and with Assassins. So we came to see Little Night Music, and mm. and we were going to move to Broadway, uh, and their office denied us the rights. Flar, the, they wanted it to be not sparse. They wanted it to be lush. And I got that. Where was, where, was it, where was it done when you say transfer? Where was it done? Mickey Library Theater. Yeah. We were going to move that performance okay. off-Broadway to the Cherry Lane Amazing. Or, or, or one of the other theaters down Amazing. there. Oh, wow. They didn't want it off-Broadway. They wanted it on-Broadway in a lush production. I understand. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, yeah. But it was me, Patrick, God rest his soul, Patrick... Um, Quinn. Oh Quinn. Quinn. Uh, Maris uh, Clement, Ross Petty, Judy Blazer. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. Wow. Um, so he saw me there... Didn't say much because I wasn't because I wasn't the look of Henrik. Mm-hmm. But like you, all these students realize in musicals, one talent can trump a few others. Yep. So if you sing it or play the cello yeah. or act it, that'll trump maybe something else, and they'll get away with 
you know, for that. So that's in it. Then Sweeney Todd came, and there was a time he uh, came on a Tuesday and watched us and gave notes, and that was magnificent. Mm-hmm. And then I was at the opening night party, and he was there, and I went up to him, and I shook his hand. And I, oh, and I had met, I had gone to his townhouse and met with him right before I did a little night music because I was frightened to death. And he talked to me for two and a half hours just about the original night music, what it meant. He was just getting the Pulitzer for Sunday in the mm-hmm. Sunday in the Park, the song Children and Art meant so much to him. I realized he didn't have any children. His art was his children. There's so many wonderful things. He drank Uzo. I drank a Diet 7-Up. I'll never forget it. <laughs> anyway, um, he came, and I'm an opening night, and I just shook his hand and, and thanked him and said, Sir, I just want to tell you what an amazing opportunity this is. I saw Dorothy Loudon and George Hearn, and ever, ever since I saw Ken Jennings, I, I, I've wanted to play this part. It's magnificent, sir. I just think it was great. I must have said sir three or four times. And he said, what is this, sir? Just stop calling me sir. Why don't you just call me Steve? And I said, okay, mm. Steve. And he went, <laughs> and he went, okay, Eddie. <laughs> it was like really wonderful. Um, so, yeah, so that was great. He complimented not while I'm around. He said this is just – his highest compliment is the word swell. It was just swell. I have no notes on it. It's just swell. It's just swell. Mm-hmm. The only note he gave me was is a B-flat. At that point, it was really hard for me to hit. So I was speak singing it. There, you'll say, boom, Mrs. Lovett's Meat Pies. He said it has to be a real old-fashioned musical theater sing. Bum. Ba bum bum ba 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 bum bum. So wow. we did that. Um, <laughs> so cut to assassins, and we're in assassins, and I'm sitting in tech on the electric chair, strapped in, and they had just rewritten the ending for me because the original person who did it in the reading was Michael Jeter. God rest oh, his soul. Oh wow. Yeah. So they had rewritten the ending. The very end of um, How I Saved Roosevelt goes, for me, it went, no care, no more, no, and it's octave jumps. But yeah. it used to be, no care, no more, no, and, and it was an increment up. Mm-hmm. But Geminiani is like, no, we're going to give him octaves. Just mm-hmm. let him go back and forth. Okay. So they did it. And I was concerned about the octave jump. So he came up to me, and, and he's standing below me because I'm up on the electric chair. And he said, Eddie, listen, when, when you sing that very last song, no care, no more, no, when you hit the no, it has to, the, the jolt of electricity has to, has to stop you saying no care. Like if it would go on, it would go no care, no more, no care, no care, you don't care. We never ever as an audience member want to think you've changed your mind and said no care, no more, no stop. We never want to think that. So it has to continue on with no care and you have to think no care. Well, he went on and said that and took about 45 seconds to explain it to me. But after the first three seconds, I understood completely what it meant. And I was going to deliver that. What I was more concerned with was the octave jump and making sure it was like. So I said, without any acting, I said, got it. But the octave jump is still, no care, no more, no. Now, you can see I'm not acting at all. I'm just right. doing notes. Yeah. No care, no more, no. And it was like his head ripped apart in his skull came out and he said yes but you have to think no care 
And it took me back, and I went, yep, okay, okay, I'll do it. No problem. I got it. I got it. I absolutely, I absolutely would do that, and I will think that. Yes. So, so Jonathan came in and said, well, that was intense. And I said, yeah, but you know what? Here's another thing where an actor sees the composer, the creator, the lyricist becoming the character before your eyes, and all I have to do is just imitate it. Because at first when he did it, I thought he was pissed off at me or something. And there was a pause. Jonathan said, he probably was pissed off at you. <laughs> and I, I said, no, he yeah. was recreating it. He was becoming Zangara. <laughs> but now, all these years later, yeah, he was probably mad. He was probably <laughs> Maybe upset. Maybe a combination of both. Because a couple of days later, after I did it in performance, he was there for rehearsal, and I jumped off the stage, and I followed him out. And I said, Steve, Steve. Turn around. I said, is that what you were talking about with the, with the thing? And he went, oh, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. And he turned around, and, and I, was, I was in the process of turning around, and he turned back, and he said, yeah, now look, um, don't expect me one of these hand holders who give you compliments on every good thing you do. If there's something wrong, I'll let you know. And I thought, okay. oh, shit, do I have a hell of a lot to learn? But, yeah, that was that. He didn't say it in a bad way. No, totally. It was just matter of fact. Yeah, no, true. So, mm. that's, yeah. that's a good story. It's wild. Absolutely wild. That's assassins. You yeah. must have had some adventures on Seussical. Yeah. We don't have to talk about them, but I'm so curious. <clears throat> you know, I listened to this podcast, um, another one, uh, our friend uh, Todd Buonaponi uh, does, uh, people, other Broadway artists tell stories, and Jen Cody told a, uh, an epic story about, about Susical. What'd she yeah. say? Well, she said a lot of well, things, but she didn't. sometimes she named names, and then sometimes she's like, I'm not going to name names. Were, but she told a great uh, David Shiner story, right? Who, 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 yes. There were, Yes, she talked about David Shiner on the first day of rehearsal, kind doing of his organizing own choreography. His own, uh, opening number. There was people getting fired quite often. The Weislers were coming in. There was a lot of stuff. She 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 gave us a whole big epic journey of it. And if you don't want to talk about it, you do not have to talk about I it. I remember answering the phone in what year was that? Two, yeah, Maplewood. 2000. I remember answering the phone in Maplewood and having Lynn Aarons on the line mm-hmm. and saying, Eddie, we are doing a show called Susical, The Susical. And I'm like, oh, my God, I heard about this. When I was in Chicago doing Showboat, they were talking about Garth Drabinsky's next thing, Susical. She's like, yeah, well, Garth isn't really involved in <laughs> anymore, but we are, and we have written a song for you. Or we've written a song that has your name all over it. And I said, okay, do you want me to learn it? you want me to come in? And audition? I'm not audition- we just want to offer you the reading. We're doing a reading mm-hmm. for two weeks. Nobody had ever said that to me before. Yes, I'll do it. And it was the Lorax. Mm. Wow. So I went in, and I did that. And we did a two-week reading. And there were no... It was Frank Galati, and, and there was no choreographer involved. AJ, somebody, was coming in. Yeah, I remember... He had just done something on Broadway. I remember us of starting the who, who, wada, who, 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 wada, wada, and what, and looking out at him, and him just in the chair grooving. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that would be interesting if he would do it. And then the next thing I knew, the Weisslers were attached, and Kathleen Marshall was attached. And Kathleen and I did On Your Toes up in 
bought uh, uh, at Elmsford Dinner Theater yeah. the next year after George yeah. M. Amazing. Dinner Theater, my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we did that, and uh, then we did a workshop of it the next thing up in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some people from the reading were not in the workshop. And then when we moved from the workshop to Broadway, some people from the workshop were not on Broadway. The core group of people of us who were in that original two-week reading brought different things to it than the Toronto people and then certainly the Broadway people. Many people in the Broadway company, Jen Cody not being one of them, Jen's a good buddy of mine, and she was a spitfire and a love. And was saying stuff at one point during rehearsal that I did not understand, and I will admit that it was my fault. We were going through stuff, and her phrase was, great, 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 let's cut some more. Great, great, let's cut some more. And I was thinking, what? So we're not going to work on it? We're just going to willy-nilly cut it? Because that was happening. But she wasn't saying it like that. I know exactly what she was saying. She was saying, streamline, streamline, and let's make this as successful as we can, which is the most powerful thing you can do. So I adore you, Jim. Um, um, There are some people who were in the Broadway company who became a cancer Mm -hmm. and who didn't know the joy and the love and the magnificence of the of that two-week rehearsal, and how would they? Um, One person who was not involved with it, who came into it, was Justin Greer. He understood in his heart everything of it. So he was never that. But there were a few other people who were busy. That was one of the things. There's, There's so many things about it. But suffice it to say, I'm not either going to name names. But suffice it to say that it was like a steamroller that just went down a different road. Now, as far as David Shiner goes, this is just my opinion, but David Shiner is David Shiner and does what he does very, 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 very well. And maybe sometimes he was not comfortable doing stuff that he didn't already know and do very well. So there was problems there. There was one point in Boston when my husband was in the audience and said it was one of the funniest things I had ever seen. And I don't know if they're going to allow it. I hope they allow it, but it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. He started the beginning of the second act doing his full moon stuff and climbing over seats, climbing over (laughs) seats. Right before the second act started, climbing over seats in the audience, doing stuff. The audience was laughing, (laughs) and then he spied a little foot-high cat in the hat doll. And 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 in all in mind went and pointed to it and, and asked them and they passed it up to him and he, he did it and he, he played with it and played with it and then he killed it. And, and 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 he went like that and he went, Oh my god, it's dead and he tried to give it mouth to mouth and he tried to he tried to give it <laughs> classic give clowning, it, you know yeah. all that kind of stuff. And so people were laughing and laughing and he kept holding it up and it would droop and he would hold it up and it would droop and finally he just looked at it and got just out it and kicked it off the stage back to the kid. That's, That's incredible. incredible. You love David Shiner, right? You're uh, my wife does. Oh, my, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they said, yeah, huge fan. evidently, some word came back that it was too 
it was that's not the cat in the hat. The cat in the hat is a lovable, lovely character. <laughs> to which point I say, Have you read the books? Yeah. He's a shit. <laughs> he's he's it all works out over, yeah. but he is the devil. He's not the devil, but he's like all this stuff, benign stuff all over the house making horrible stuff. And then they wrote a number called A Day with the Cat in the Hat, which does that. Yeah. Which is great. But right. anyway, so wow. that was one thing. The big thing about Suzical with me is is that Lorax got cut, mm-hmm. and then and then through a series of events, with me staying with the show instead of leaving, right. I met Rosie O'Donnell, who facilitated the adoption of our child. So if you wanna if you wanna have a phrase, a catchphrase, you say the worst the worst moment of my professional career became the best moment of my personal life. Wow, that's next am- to my that's amazing, my husband. But you know, right? Because if that didn't happen, who you know? Uh, wow, would have happened one way or another, but but not but the not same the way. way. Yeah. You you see the silver lining in everything you do. Mm-hmm. You really do. And I Thanks. I wish that every single acting student out there could spend at least one hour in a rehearsal room with you, because you Thanks. are the epitome of what a performer should be. And I so hope you'll come back and join us again because I feel like we need I will. To have, Are we done? Uh, we haven't yeah. got to Wicked or Drowsy, so yeah. I, yeah, we're gonna I feel like we need to have a What time is it? It's 12.24. Yeah. yeah. It's all right. But I think we should do a part two if you I'll you do it. Yeah. That, but Thanks. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you for, for thank all you. you do. Of course. Awesome. Bye. Take care. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.